0: Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we just praise you. God, I thank you for the word that you have for us today. Lord, we see in Genesis 1, where we were made in your image, made in your likeness, where you made man and woman, and they were commanded, and you were told them to multiply. You created family. And Lord, family was created to glorify your name to make you look so glorious. And yet sin has wrecked it like it's wrecked the rest of this world. Lord, it's made us selfish. It causes us to to not even want to know you, Lord. It's you who comes after us, Lord, because if it wasn't for you, we would never seek you. And so I ask right now, in this next hour, God, that you would just be greatly glorified. Holy Spirit, that you would just fill me and empower me. That you would put your very words upon my lips and upon my tongue. Lord, no one needs to hear a word from me. We need to hear a word from you this morning, God. You're the one who gives life, you're the one who convicts the hearts and opens the eyes of the blind, opens the ears of the deaf. And Lord, if we're all real and honest this morning, doesn't matter where we're at in our walk, Lord, we're under attack. Our marriages are under attack. Our children are under attack. Our families are under attack. And what are we doing? Are we fighting like you've called and commanded us to do, God? And so, Lord, my prayers through this message is that we would not model our first father, Adam, who was a coward and did not fight, but, Lord, that we would model. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who fought for us and who has shown us how we are to fight, Lord. And So God, we just love you. We thank you. We praise you. Lord, I ask if someone does not know you as Lord and Savior, today would be their day. I pray that marriages would be healed that need to be healed this morning. Prodigals will come running home to their parents today, Lord. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. amen. And amen. So we'll be in the book of Nehemiah and let's just... Start there. Nehemiah uh, has been called by God uh, to rebuild the walls, to to see um, Jerusalem uh, be rebuilt, and and to see God's glory come back and reign uh, before the coming of Jesus Christ. And uh, and so they're in the process of building the walls. But how many of you know, anytime you're trying to do God's work, there's always the enemy creeping around? Always. And look right here in Nehemiah 4.14. He's trying to do the Lord's work. And, and there's some, some dudes that don't like him. Ballot. There's a reason why nobody wants to name their kids Ballot. And look right here in verse 14. It says, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, and we've got to learn how to do this for our families. Do not be afraid. I want to say do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Look at someone and say remember the Lord. Man, we got to learn how to preach that to each other. Amen? Amen. Who is great and awesome. And there's a the reason why we're here to worship Jesus this morning. And fight. Everyone say fight, I fight. For your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, in your homes. And all God's people said? Amen. Years ago, I want to say like a couple years ago, but it's like years ago, our worship leader, uh, his name is Matt, he's from Eritrea, he was staying in our home. And, uh, and it's in the middle of the night, and I can hear my third daughter. She's screaming at the top of her lungs. And so as any father, you wake up, and I just immediately go running upstairs to find out why is my baby girl screaming at the top of her lungs. And when I get up there, uh, Matt is holding her. And I can see that he's just terrified. And I'm like, Matt, what's going on? And he's like, Pastor, I'm telling you, You can't notice it because I'm black. But if I was white, every hair is standing up on me right now. And I'm like, what? And he goes, and and then I looked at my girl Stasia. I'm like, Stasia, what's going on? And she's like, Daddy, there's something looking at me right there in the corner of the room. And I was like, oh, shoot. And I remember I just looked at Matt and I said, and and, uh, my wife, I said, babe, take Stasia. And I said, Matt, I need you to join me. We're going to get on our knees and we're going to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this room. My daughter's under attack and the enemy's a liar and God's going to rebuke him out of this room. And that's what we did. We got on our knees. We prayed. I called her back in. And I was like, sweetie, do you see anything? And she's like, Daddy, there's nothing in this room. She goes, I feel nothing but peace. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about, baby girl. And I prayed over her and she went back to sleep. And, and, I, and I share that to y'all because, family, we are under attack. Can I get an amen? Like we're under attack. Years later, Matt, who's now married called me to tell me thank you because he would experience the same thing with his own child one night. And his wife is like, what do we do? Man, I remember what I did with Billy. They got on their knees and they prayed and they plead the blood of Jesus over that room and over that house. But we got to understand something. We have an enemy and he hates us. He does not like us. And it's not because you're anything special. I know there's churches that will try to make a lot about us and we're nobodies. And the reason why the enemy doesn't like us is because we're made in the image of God. And you see that back in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. There's a reason why he shows up in Genesis 3. It's not because he so much despises Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are made in the image of God. Adam and Eve are image bearers. Adam and Eve remind him of who God is. And anything that reminds the enemy of who God is, he hates. And he wants to destroy, as the Bible says. He wants to murder. He wants to devour And we have to understand that. When you get married, he hates that. That's another reminder of God's glory. When there's kids, whether you adopt your kids or you're having kids through birth, he he hates it. It's a reminder of who God is. And that's why we're going to always be under attack. Like, he's never going to throw the white flag up. I know we want him to. But he's not going to. But one day, hallelujah, may we never forget, Jesus is coming back, amen? And He's going to put an end to all He's been up to, amen? But until then, we have to fight, amen? And the title of today's message is Fight for Your Family. Look at someone and say, let's fight. Now say, let's fight for our family. Now look at them and say, let's fight for our kids. If you're here with your spouse, say, let's fight for each other. And you've got to always do that, Amen? And you got to remind each other that, because family, hear me on this. Just like in Nehemiah's day, there are breaches in our marriages, whether you like it or not. You ain't perfect. You're not holy. Therefore, there are breaches, and there's brokenness in all of our families. And like Nehemiah, the enemy wants to scare us because he does not want to see reconciliation. He does not want to see restoration. He does not want to see the breaches repaired. He does not want to see families having a strong foundation in Jesus Christ. He doesn't want to see healing, peace, love, and anything that will cause all of heaven to shout hallelujah. And family, we want to hear all of heaven doing what? Shouting hallelujah over our marriage and over our families. Amen? And so how do we fight for our family? Because I can sit here all day long and share to us how we're under attack. I believe most of us know we're under attack. So how do we fight for our families? How do we fight for our families when we have the devil, when we have people coming at us, when we have all the crazy ideologies? I mean, what a beautiful conference for all of y'all who got to attend that. But just being reminded how we're under attack, whether it's transgenderism, whether it's CRT. There's so many things that want to destroy our families. And so how do we fight for our family? And he tells us right here in the text. Look what he says. The first thing he says is, do not be afraid. Everyone say, do not be afraid. Now, what is he saying when he says, do not be afraid? What does he mean? Well, a couple of points to to fall under if you're taking notes, do not be afraid, is be strong and courageous is what that means. Everyone say, be strong and courageous. And And you see this all throughout the Bible in one of the most famous texts, and we'll turn to it. It's right here in Joshua 1, if you will. But, man, just look up the words, be strong and courageous. You find it all throughout Scripture where we're, Called to be strong and courageous, and look right here in Joshua chapter one, starting in verse six, Joshua is having to remind his people, just like Nehemiah, to not be afraid, and and, and God is having to remind Joshua first to not be afraid, and look what God tells Joshua, starting in Joshua chapter one verse six: "Be strong and courageous, and you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers, and to give them. Only be strong and courageous." Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand, nor to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not part from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according to what was written in it. For then you will make, then I will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Family, we've been commanded. Be strong and courageous. Look at this. Do not be frightened. In other words, do not be afraid. And do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then we're to be strong and courageous. But what? Strong and courageous off of His Word. Can I get an amen? He's not talking about willpower. He's not talking about go to the weight room. He's talking about be strong and courageous with his word. And Joshua knew that because if you know your Bibles, God tells them he sends spies to go spy on the promised land. And, and, and man, Joshua and Caleb, what do they see? They see the honey. They see all the beauty. What do what the other spies see? They, they see giants. They gave in the fear. They chose not to be strong and courageous in God's word. And they'll lead an entire nation astray to where God says, hey, man, I don't want nothing to do. You're not going to the promised land. Everyone who's 20 and up, you're going to die. 20 and younger, you going in with Joshua and Caleb. And family, think about this. No one remembers the names of the ten spies. You know who we remember? Joshua and Caleb. Those who were strong and courageous. Reminding me of that, if you've ever seen the movie Troy, where I mean, before Brad Pitt's going to go off to battle, his armor bearer's like, you're going to war? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to war. But you might die. And he looks at his armor-bearer and goes, and this is why you will never be remembered in history. You know who's remembered? Those who are strong and courageous in the Lord and on His Word who are not afraid. Think about David. Everyone's afraid of Goliath. His whole family, his brothers, they're all trembling. But yet David is not afraid. Why? Because he's strong and courageous in who? In the Lord. He's seen what the strength of God can do with him when he went up against bears, when he went up against lions. And so he knows Goliath is no different. And we have to remember that in our family and whatever is coming at us to be strong and courageous in the Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. It also means when he says do not be afraid, we got to learn to speak up. This was one of the things the Lord really stirred my heart up when I preached this back at home at Acts, uh, my church home, is we have to speak up. Look at someone and say, "Speak up." We can't be afraid to be silent. Family, what happened in Genesis three? The enemy comes creeping up on Eve, and if you know your Bibles, I know there's those that teach that poor Adam, he was man. He was off working. He was being a faithful guy. No, he wasn't. If you read the text, when she eats of it, it says she gives it to him who was also what with her. You see, the entire time the devil is going after Eve. Adam was there, right there. And he's silent the entire time while his woman is being attacked. He is silent. And men, we cannot be silent when our marriage is under attack. Can I get an amen? Amen. If there's ever a time for us to speak up and not be afraid, it's when we see the enemy speaking lies into our marriage. Women, the same thing. Do not be silent when you see the enemy speaking lies into your husband. We've got to speak up. You see the same thing with Jacob. One of the most tragic chapters in all the Bible is Genesis 34. And if you you know that chapter, Jacob's daughter gets raped. And the brothers, they go before their dad, Jacob. And he's silent. And it's so tragic. And because he's silent, two of his sons are like, well, we'll take this in our own hands. And, and they decide we ain't just going to kill the guy that raped our, our sister. We're going to kill every man in that village. And so they deceive them. Yeah, we want to marry your women, but you all got to get circumcised. And so when all the men get circumcised they're in their great pain, they go out there and they take out every single man. So one injustice has now created even a greater injustice. And what happens in our culture today? We're silent. And so what happens? We see more injustice take place. I mean, if we're honest at church, we've been silent about things. We've got to learn to speak up. We've got to learn to go, no, that's a lie from the pit of hell, amen? And we've got to call it out for what it is, amen, family? if there was ever time in our marriages and our children and culture that needed a voice, that time is right now. I'll give you an example that time is right now. It used to be where it was okay the girls could be tomboys. That was normal. You know what now they want to tell little girls? That means you're supposed to be a boy. This is live from the pit of hell. And I had to have this conversation with my second oldest daughter. Some of y'all got to meet her. She, she hates dresses. She hates the color pink. Like, my wife had to tell her, sweetie, if you will just wear a dress for me on my birthday, I will do this for you and this. And I couldn't believe it, it was the first time I saw her. I was like, wow, my daughter's in a dress. Like she had to get bribed. But I remember my daughter came to me, and she's like, Dad, is something wrong with me. And I knew that was not the time for me to be silent. I had to sit her down and say, baby girl, there is nothing wrong that you don't want to wear dresses. I, if you can show me in the Bible where it says, The definition of a woman is she wears a dress, then, then, sweetie, we can have that conversation. But I've never read that Bible verse. But let me show you, and I walked her through the Bible, what the Bible says a woman is and what defines a woman. And I remember her just smiling. So I'm a woman that kicks butt and that wears dresses. That's right, sweetie. All right, and and remember that when those dudes come. She's like, okay. But we got to speak up and we got to speak to them before what? Culture does. Because you know what many want to do? And I love my dad, and if he ever listens to this dad, I love you. But I remember my dad at age 14 or 15 when they have a the sex talk with me. Son, we gotta talk about I see there's little kids in here. And I'm like, Dad, we talking about, I learned about that stuff when I was like eight years old in school. I remember he's what? I was like, sorry, you're you're late to the party. And that's how many of us are in the church. We're silent when we should be speaking up because we're afraid. We can't be afraid, amen? We can't be afraid to rebuke, correct, and encourage. Can I get an amen? amen? Family, Eli. I often wonder if Eli's like, Samuel, if he could like go back in time, don't tell me what God tells you. But if you know the story, man, Samuel hears from the Lord. He doesn't know it. Finally, Eli's like, I think you're hearing from God. Go back and listen. Tell me what he says, Samuel. And what does Samuel tell Eli. God's going to kill your sons. And you're going to die too. Because Eli would not rebuke his sons. His sons were profaning the house of God. They were profaning what a priest was. They weren't showing the holiness and the glory of God. And he wouldn't speak up about it. And his sons will die and so will him. We can't be afraid to rebuke our spouse when they're in sin, amen? Man, you cannot be afraid to do that with your women. I mean, I see guys in the church so afraid to say anything. We can't be afraid to tell our spouse when they're wrong. We can't be afraid as well, though, to encourage, amen? They need to hear both. If you love your child, if you love your spouse, you love your family, then you will tell them what the Word of God says, Amen? And you won't shy away from it. I loved when I heard Frankie when he was teaching Sunday school earlier. We can't be afraid to tell our family this is what the Word says. It means we're not afraid to discipline. Can I get an amen? Amen. Discipline your children. Stop hoping the school or somebody else is going to discipline them. You discipline them before you lose them. It also means not to be afraid to Not to be afraid means not to be afraid to be committed. Can I get an amen? Everyone say committed. In other words, ride till we die. Everyone say ride till we die. I know Fast and Furious, I think they coined that. No, the Bible coined it. Way before Fast and Furious ever coined it. Amen? And if you will, look right here at Proverbs. Just turn your Bibles to Proverbs 27. And men, if you want to know a verse to memorize, this is a great one for all men to memorize. Proverbs 27, 8. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Men, our homes need us. I remember I had a brother that, he's like, man, I, I, I need money, and I found this job, I'm going to be away for a long time. And I was like, brother, I don't think God wants you to have this job. He goes, man, how do you not want me to have money? And I was like, I need you to stop seeing money, and I need you to see your spouse, I need you to see your kids and where they're at. He rejected the counsel. Not just I, but others gave him. When he came back home, he had no marriage. Men, we need to be in the home with our family. Can I get an amen? Like Our families need us. It's easy to quit. It's easy to walk out. It's easy to divorce. Those are not hard things to do. And there will be times it's only you giving the 100. I'm telling you right now. Newlyweds, I know it's hard for you to believe, but anybody who's past that honeymoon stage understands there are times you're giving everything in that marriage. And you keep giving everything. Amen? You keep fighting, and you keep fighting until you see that change. And everybody look up here at me. It will come. It will come for those who hold on to God for those who stay faithful and committed. I can't tell you when it will come, but it will come. I've seen it time and time again for those who trust in the Lord. And church, hear me on this. When we know that people in our church are struggling in their marriages or they have a a child that's gone prodigal, they need to know that they have a church that stands with them. Can I get an amen? amen? And so I just want to do this right now in the middle of service. Just everyone stand up. I want to show us something. Stand. This will be good for you anyways. Get your blood going a little. Now do this for me. Grab grab hands. Grab hands next to you. Everyone grab hands. Because when it comes to fighting for our family, we need to know that we're not alone in this fight. Can I get an amen? Amen. We need to know that when we come to church, it is okay that I say my marriage is struggling, and they're not going to judge us and stone us, but they're going to fight with us. Amen? Amen. That if I say that I'm struggling with my child, again, they're not going to look at me. What's wrong And judge me, but they're going to grab my hand and say, you're not alone. And so now do this, now that you're holding hands, everyone lift your hands up. And what a beautiful picture you're giving of the Bible. Moses needed this. He's in the battle. His arms are tired. If they drop, they lose. And so what do Aaron and Her do? They come up beside him. They let him know, you're not alone. This is one of the reasons why we show up on Sunday mornings. You're not alone in this fight. Amen. You have brothers and sisters who will walk with you until they see your husband or your wife return, or till your kid returns, or till your marriage is where it needs to be. Amen. amen. Hallelujah, y'all can put your hands down and be seated. Family to, also on this, do not be afraid. means to admit when you're wrong. Don't be afraid to admit when you're wrong. Can I get an Amen? amen. That's a beautiful picture of the gospel. Mike knows, and some of y'all might know who follow me on social media, but like I'm coaching softball and I'm very competitive. It, is, it can be a weakness of mine. That's how competitive I am. And about a month ago on the softball field, a team cheated, like cheated against me to win. I want to tell you that I turned that cheek and I was just like, God bless y'all for cheating. And that was not my response for anything. Like I was not happy at all. And I blew it out there because I was not happy. And I remember having to, apologized to my girls and saying, hey, your coach did not lose well today. And I remember having to apologize to some other people who saw my actions. And I'll never forget how some brothers who knew me out there came up to me and said, man, we've we've never seen this before. I was like, seen what? Like someone embarrass themselves like I just did? (laughs) They're like, oh, we've seen that many times out here in sports. They're like, we've never seen like how quickly you just owned it. Like We need to model that, amen, when we blow it. It's an opportunity for us to model well what it means to own it and walk in repentance, amen? Then look what he says. Not only does he say, do not be afraid, but he says, remember the Lord. Everyone say, "Remember remember the Lord. Now in Houston, we have this famous saying, remember the Alamo. And there's a reason why they would say, remember the Alamo. If you know your history... There were Texans and Tejanos fighting against Mexico, and Tejanos were Mexicans who no longer wanted to be a part of Mexico. They wanted to be Texas. And they were surrounded by thousands, thousands of Santa Ana's army, and they would not back down. They were willing to lose their lives so that there could be a future for many others. And so it was a famous saying, remember the alamo, remember how many laid down their lives so that you can have the freedom that you have today. And I love this because Nehemiah is telling us, do not just be afraid, but remember the Lord. The Lord who is great and awesome. The Lord who goes before you. The Lord who departed the Red Sea. The Lord who made you. The Lord who, who was born of a virgin the Lord who would go to the cross for you, who would be risen from the dead. Remember Him. And we got to learn to do that with each other. Amen? Preaching the Gospel with each other. Reminding each other how great He is. Just another reason why we show up on Sunday mornings. being reminded what? How great He is. And how tragic it is when we don't remember Him. Like Lot's wife. Flee. Don't look back. But instead of remembering the Lord, I can't let go of my precious. Am I really about to let all these things go? She turns into salt. She didn't want to remember the Lord. Cain. God comes and knocks on his door. Cain. Why are you gloomy? me? I see it. Cain. Repent. Cain. Turn to me before you kill your brother. Fight for your brother. But instead of fighting for his brother, he rejects God, doesn't remember the Lord, and he slays his brother in cold blood. Praise God for Joseph, who chose to be a brother's keeper. When, if anyone had a right to want to take his brothers out, to want to put them in jail and let them know what suffering was, was Joseph when he sees his brothers. But if you know the text, he remembers his dream. He weeps bitterly. It hurts when your family does you wrong, but he forgives. He gives us a beautiful model of what it means to fight for your family and a beautiful picture of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And one of the most tragic scenes in all the Bible, a father that none of us should model. Look right here in, in 1 Kings. If you will, just turn your Bible to 1 Kings. And go to chapter 16. It's one of these passages that you could pass over. Maybe some of you haven't passed over it. It caused you to scratch your head like it did me. And really just want to do a study on it. But it's 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 34. You have the evil king Ahab. And many people are doing wicked things. And you have this dad named Heald. Again, nobody names their kids after him. Look what it says right here in verse 34. In his days, Heal of Bethel built Jericho. Now if you know your Bibles, Jericho is destroyed. God has, he, he prophesies through Joshua, anybody who ever tries to rebuild it, it will cost them their children, their sons. Heal has no desire to remember the Lord. He wants His name to be remembered. He laid down its foundation at the cost of Abram, his firstborn. And he set up the gates at the cost of his youngest son, Sega, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. How tragic. This father cared so much about his name being remembered and that he would rebuild the walls of Jericho that he didn't care that it cost him the lives of his sons. And what do we see happening in our nation right now? Hey, you can sacrifice that child in you. Don't you want a career? Don't you want a job? Men, you can sleep around. The government will figure something out with that child. This is your time right now. People have even rap about it. This is my time. I ain't got time for this kid. I got a shot right now to be famous and powerful. But family, I'll, I'll tell all of us anything. What's it worth if you lose your children? If you lose your marriage? I don't care how much money you have, how powerful you are. You're nothing. You're nothing. Our marriage and our kids are everything. You can be poor and you have that. You're rich. Amen? Remember the Lord. Be like the Father in Proverbs. Remember the Lord and warned His Son and gave His Son great wisdom. Amen? Another way that we fight for our families is pursue and woo. I'm going to say pursue and woo. This is how you fight. You got to pursue and woo. I think about my spiritual son, Eric. When I met him, he's a gangbanger, carjacking people. I remember he gets married, he has kids. Still not where he really needs to be, still never really read the Bible. Man, so much discipleship, so much walking with him. I'll still never forget the phone call I got when he passed out at work and they had to rush him to the hospital. And he's calling me, he's like, because he saw me as a dad, and he's like, Dad, they're saying I got leukemia. I remember just crying, like, God, you got to do something. I, I need you to heal him. But man, I watched a man fight like I've never watched a man fight for his marriage and for his kids the two years that God would give him after that leukemia, you fight for that marriage, when many would have said, "This is so messed up what you're doing." When I got cancer, fighting for his children. Still remember watching him at the men's meeting the last time he would be with us in church, just standing up and worshiping Jesus, and then getting to baptize his son at the hospital in his last days. Something he prayed for. God, you got to let me see my son get baptized. And then watching his wife show up and make things right. Telling him I'm sorry. I was like, man, what a picture. Somebody that many people would have never thought could give people a picture of what it means to fight for your wife, to fight for your children. And he did that. He pursued and wooed even when they didn't want the pursuing And wooing. Family, that's fighting. It's a picture of the gospel. We see that God does that for us in Genesis 3. It wasn't Adam and Eve making things right. It wasn't them pursuing God. God pursues them and woos them. You see the same thing in Hosea 2.14. Israel is adulterous. Israel is doing many different things. And what does God say? I will find a way to woo her back to me. You see, the world is always looking for ways how we can end relationships. End our marriage. in this. No. Pursue and woo and fight. Amen? Find a way to win their hearts and their minds. Wherever you're at in your marriage, wherever you're at with your kids, find a way to woo them back. Hey, my kid wants nothing to do with me. Okay. Find a way to win their heart. Find a way to woo them. No matter what they might say. Amen? I think about my sister my baby sister who would curse me out i want nothing to do with your jesus i show up at her parties preaching jesus make her even more angry i'm like i'm not trying to make you angry i'm trying to save you from doing devastating stuff that i once did and i'll never forget the day she got saved tears in her eyes how could you pursue me when i would curse you out and tell you i hated you and i was like because i did the same thing to jesus and now I got to do that for you. We pursue and woo until we see them won over. Amen? amen. How we fight for our family also means family, when there's conflict, we want to redeem the conflict. Can I get an amen? Everyone say redeeming conflict. Just so a couple points Cause I could make a whole sermon off of this one, and I have. But just, I know we got a lot of married people in here. But write these down because there's always going to be conflict in your marriage. Some people don't like the way I do marriage counseling. Because I've seen couples tell me, we've never fought. And I'm like, really, you've never fought? Oh, I'm going to find a way for you to fight. <laughs> like, let's just reality check right now then. And they're like, hey, you purposely set us up. Oh, I did. Welcome to now a real relationship. You know, where you can see past your hormones and everything else. Because there's always going to be conflicts. But we need to know how to redeem it. How to make it right. And so, six points I encourage you to, to man. Put this into practice. Number one, when there's conflict, pray and examine your heart first. Because you know what we love to do? Oh, i got to go call them out right now. That's what i got to go do. No, do what the Bible says and look at your own heart first. Remove that log so that you can now respectfully remove the speck from their eye. Then after you've prayed and examined yourself, the next thing you need to do is when you all come to the table, how can God be glorified? you know what usually the argument the conflict is about? My glory, my kingdom, my laws that you broke. And why we don't get anywhere is because, man, the glory of God has been lost in the whole thing. No, it needs to be how can God be glorified in this? Because now we're crucifying the flesh. Number three, how have I contributed to this? If there's conflict. That means somewhere in there you've done wrong. Even if it's just 1%, you're still wrong and and you need to repent. Number four, speak truth in love. Speak it in love. I hear people, oh, I gave truth. Yeah, but were you a jerk about it? Like, did you do it lovingly? Like I had one brother tell me, oh man, you know what? I was speaking it. She wasn't hearing it. So I dropped to my knees. I mean, literally, they came in the middle of the night because he couldn't believe that she slapped him. And uh, he's like, I dropped to my knees. I said, "Oh God, you know my love for you. You know that there's one who desires to be holy right now, and that's me." And right when he says that, bam! She slaps him. <laughs> Show up at my house. He's telling my wife, "Can you believe it?" She's like, "Be happy." All she did was slap you. I might like kick you at the same time as well. Like that's not speaking truth in love. Number five. Forgive as Christ forgave you. And family, forgiveness means you don't hold it against them. It means you don't bring it up in two weeks, amen? Amen. You've forgiven. doesn't mean you forgot. But forgiveness means I don't hold this to you anymore. No matter what might happen. And then number six, where many people go wrong... What is the resolution? What are the steps moving forward? So three days from now, we're not back having the same conversation again. There's got to be some type of resolution. What are the steps moving forward? What's the solution here? Another way you, you fight for your family is you pray. Everyone say pray. Man, it's amazing how much we neglect prayer in the church today. I mean, you read the book of Acts. No wonder they saw so many things happen. They prayed more than anything else. Look right here at Nehemiah chapter 6 and look at verse 9. He's just given this speech that we shouldn't be afraid in all this. But man, look where he gets his strength from. Why is he able to make speeches like this? Nehemiah 6.9 For they all wanted to frighten us. See, the enemy didn't give up in chapter 4. He's still trying to attack. And Nehemiah needs to be strengthened. Look what he does. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work, and they'll stop. And they'll stop trying to build the walls, and it will not be done. But now, oh God, strengthen my hands. David, gotta love David. And Psalm says, "Strengthen his hands for what? For war, the fight." We need to pray the same thing. Not against our spouse, not against our kids, but the enemy himself, amen? Lord, strengthen my hands to fight for this marriage, to fight for my children, to fight for my mom, to fight for my brothers and sisters, just as his word teaches us. I'll give you a great example. Priscilla still with us to this day, because if you've ever planted a church, the majority of the people that help you plant will eventually leave. Priscilla still with us, one of the first people who got saved at our church. I still, to this day, remember her salvation. Her coming up to me, tears in her eyes. I surrender. What do I need to do? And I'm like, girl, you saved. You're like, There's no little special prayer. But I remember her family her, 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 her family wasn't fully saved yet. Especially her dad. And I remember her calling me one night and goes, I don't understand God. It's like about 11 o'clock, midnight, somewhere around there. I don't understand God, Priscilla, what's going on. You told me to pray. And God's going to move. Priscilla, that's what the word of God says. Yeah, well, guess what? My dad right now is being arrested. The police are here. Well, what happened? Well, I prayed and I told God, whatever you got to do to save my family, you do it. I said, then let's trust God right now, Priscilla. Well, this was not what I had in mind. Well, God usually doesn't do what we have in mind to save our family, girl. But let's pray. And what happened was her dad was an alcoholic at that time and he lost it and neighbors heard called the police and they immediately come in and they arrest him and then i remember meeting with him because uh three days later i meet with him and man he got saved it was it was incredible he's one of martin he's a deacon in our church one of our strongest leaders in the church and I remember as I'm talking to him, just tears in his eyes, like, Billy, this is going to sound crazy to you. This it ain't Joe House religion. I don't know what happened. All I know is I got arrested. And I, I sat there, I just said, God, I'm so tired of this life. I know I've always ran from Pastor Billy. I, I've wanted nothing to do with church. I've been mad at you that my family now wants to serve you. But God, if you're real like you say you are, here's my life. I want to follow you. I'm done with my way of living. God transformed him. And we got to baptize him on Christmas Day along with Priscilla's youngest sister. Amen? Amen. The power of prayer. Amen? Amen. Not in the way everybody really thought and wanted it. But God knew what he had to do to bring Martin to salvation. Amen? Amen. Don't underestimate prayer. And, And some other principles before we close out here. Share the gospel together and make disciples together. Aquila and Priscilla. Beautiful couple to look at when it comes to fighting for your family. They get kicked out of Rome. But they kept preaching the gospel together. Apollos will come to know Christ and not become some crazy cult leader. Three churches will be planted out of their homes. How many marriages can brag about that? Don't ignore your own personal sins. Can I get an amen? Family Esau ignored his sins. To the point it caused much grief, the Bible says, to Rachel and Isaac. Solomon, the, the wisest man in the world, would ignore the sins of marrying those who want to worship other gods. And what does the Bible say? Towards the end of his life, his heart is led astray, and it costs his family dearly. May we be like Joseph and learn how to flee. Amen? May we be like David in Psalms 19. Lord, show me my blind spots. Show me the sins I don't know. Another thing I want to share, because I what we'll do with messages like this is we're taking notes. Because I've had this, I had one lady do this. She took notes. She goes home, tells her husband, man, let me tell you everything you did wrong. He said he felt like she came home with a 38 special and just unloaded it on him. Because we'll do that. You're not doing all these duties. Therefore, I don't have to serve you no more and love you no more. No, family, are we willing to go beyond our duties, the roles that God has given the man and the woman and the children and so forth? That's fighting for your family, amen? Don't let the past determine your future. Can I get an amen? Family Rahab did not let the past determine her future. Her family will be spared even though she was a prostitute. And her son, Boaz, is called a worthy man. There's somebody who didn't let the past determine the future. Ruth was the same way. And in family, Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Do not apologize to your family for serving God. Can I get an amen? Do not I don't apologize to my girls. Hey, you were born to a Christian dad and Christian mom. I pray one day you'll be Christians. And in this house, we go to church. In this house, we read the Bible together. In this house, we're going to sing together. In this house, this is how Christmas is going to look. We don't apologize. I'm a coach now. And I told our team. None of them, most of them don't even know who Jesus is. I said, hey, listen, none of y'all stepped up to coach. I had to step up. I, had, I told them that. Y'all didn't step up. I did. I'm a pastor. We're going to pray on this team. Y'all are going to hear about Jesus. I'm not apologizing. They didn't know what to think. Now, so many of them are going, hey, this is pretty cool. At first, we're like, ooh, Lee, do you know this guy is like what he's doing? I'm like, I'm not being paid. Y'all, <laughs> y'all can get rid of me. I ain't apologizing for following Christ. I'm going to fight for those who don't know Jesus. I'm going to fight for my family as well. Amen. And then as I close this out, look right here at Nehemiah 4.20 on how to fight for our family. Look right here at verse 20. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpets, rally to us here. And I love this. Our God will fight for us. Can I get an amen? Our God will fight for us. And how do we know that? Because Jesus is our God, amen? He is our example, amen? I, if Isaiah 63, such a beautiful chapter. The watchmen say, Who is this? Who is this that we see coming out of Edom? He's drenched in blood, and our enemies are slain." It's Jesus. Who is this that's coming out of the grave that I'm being marched to? It's Jesus who's defeated death. I no longer have to fear it, amen? Who is this? coming out of that pit of sin that's been swallowing me up, whether it's lust, whether it's addictions, whether it's gossip, whatever your pit was, who is this coming out with chains broken? It's Jesus, who was born of a virgin, who lived the very life you could not live, who died on the cross that you should have died on, who took on your sins, took on the wrath of God, Who took sin and death to the grave and left it in the grave. Amen? Who rose victorious. Who sent the enemy, as it says in Colossians, running now in open shame, no longer mankind in open shame. Amen? Why? Because Jesus came to fight for us. And here's what's wild, family. We were His enemies. Our spouse is not our enemy. Our children are not our enemy but yet we were the enemy of God. And He said, I will fight for you so that you can be reconciled back to the Father, so that you can be a child of God, so that you can be my friend. How beautiful is that? And if Jesus would fight for us, and He's still fighting, because what does Scripture tell us? That one day, He's coming back on a white horse, with a sword in His hand, He's coming to end all wickedness and where we get to reign forever. Amen? amen? Family, He fights. And because He fights, we can fight. Amen? Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. Lord, we come before You right now just thank You and praising You. And God, I thank You so much for this message. I thank You so much for letting me get through this message without coughing. And Lord, I don't know where everyone's at in here. And Lord, I don't need to know where everyone's at. But You do. And Lord, where we need to make things right in our marriage, I pray right now that we would do that. That we would not ignore. We would not ignore those breaches that we see in our marriage. That we would not ignore the breaches that we see within our children. But God, that we would immediately get to work. And be like, what what must we do to repair this breach until it's strong and firm so that we can move on to the next breach? Because Lord, Your Word is clear. You are sanctifying us. And so there's always going to be a breach to work on. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, family, if you know Christ is not your Lord and Savior, surrender to Him right now. There's going to be people who want to pray with you. I think in the back or up here in the front. I forget where they, y'all do it. But, man, walk up to them and say, hey, I want to follow Jesus. Man, if you know your marriage has a breach, don't leave here without getting prayer. If you have a child, don't leave her without prayer. If you're like, I just need prayer right now that I will keep fighting and not give up, then let us pray with you. Don't do this alone. Amen. We were not created to be alone. It's the only thing God said was not good in all of creation, that man should not be alone. We were made for each other. We need each other. Lord, have Your way. Be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.